Hi guys, and welcome to the first of this month's double episodes. I'm really excited about this. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month again. So this week, I'm, or I guess, you know, second time this week, specific to this episode, I'm a little, I was a little nervous at first to share it, to be completely honest, but I'm also really excited because although Dylan and I don't necessarily agree on like a lot of things like political and um, maybe like socially, I think that's important to share because even though the podcast is called Souls in the City and obviously being in the city, a lot of people have the same more or less like routines and ideologies and political views and I think we get kind of trapped in a bubble and then so it's really interesting speaking to someone from a different side of the country about this same subject that I've brought up so many times thinking like oh yeah he's gonna answer the same as Francis did or he's gonna answer the same as other Dylan did and then just you know not hearing the response you're expecting and I don't know it really opened my eyes and it, it reaffirmed my belief that Mental health is not talked about enough. Oh, if you hear cheering, that's because it's 7 o'clock, which means it is time to cheer on the essential workers, which is the best part of my day. Anyways, sorry to get sidetracked, but yeah, I think in addition to just like, I'm all for just really listening to other people's opinions and, you know, taking what they have to say and not necessarily just ignoring it because you don't agree immediately. But at the same time, I do think that after hearing this episode, you'll realize that as little as mental health therapy, medication, et cetera, et cetera, is talked about in New York, like it in comparison to other places in the country, it's so normalized here. And I think that's just so important to that we need to continue raising awareness and continue talking about it and continue just showing how important that mental health is and how important it is to take care of yourself and to reach out to others when you're in time to trouble. And I think you'll see that a lot in this episode. So I'm excited to share and I'd love to hear all of your feedback. Um, also, if you have a second, just give me five stars on iTunes. That would mean so much or four stars or however much you want to give me, but preferably five stars and a rating. Yay. Okay. Enjoy. everyone and welcome to another episode of Saul's in the City. Today I'm so excited to be here with Dylan Haynes who is a former safety at the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns, and current t- TikTok star. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> so happy to have you on. So Dylan, why don't you just start out by introducing yourself, like where are you from, how old are you, what's your story? Sure, yeah. So um, I'm actually originally from Austin, Texas, which is where I live now. Um, I grew up here um, pretty close to the city. Uh, My parents split when I was 15, so I moved out to Lago Vista, which is like 45 minutes north of Austin. So I've always been around Austin. It's always been my home. Then I went to college at University of Texas. So obviously that's in Austin. And then now I live and work here. Um, I've been out of college for about three years. So that's, I mean, Austin's been my home. It's kind of probably been my forever home, but um, 
when I was at UT, I was a football player. So that was really cool. I walked on there. Um, I was not a scholarship player. And then I actually earned a scholarship two years playing, um, started for three years, had a really successful career. I've got some of my stuff like behind me on my chest, so you can see. Um, but yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And I met a lot of really cool people, had a lot of great experiences. And then um, now I'm just here working. I do real estate for a living. And in my free time, obviously, with the cool quarantine thing going on right now, not a lot to do. So I make TikToks. And, uh, I'm doing pretty well on that. So I'm going to keep it going. It's too funny and fun. So you have a lot of history and connection to Austin, it seems like. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen that the city's grown so much since I've been here and there's so many people moving here now, which is like great for my business. And then, I mean, I've seen it go from like this small kind of, it was really a small city when I was really young. And then now it's like, I mean, it's just huge. Did uh, you have any connection to UT, like the school? Did any of your like parents go there or siblings? Yeah, so my my actually my dad played football there, so he was um, he like a defensive end. So he's he's a big guy. He's like six six. He was like two eighty when he played, and then my mom ran track there, and that's how they met. So my older brother went there as well. He played football, so it was just like it made sense. Like there was no way I was going to go to any other school besides that. And so when I didn't you know, I was trying to play sports, like sports was always my thing growing up. Like that was my one outlet, same with my brothers. And um, cause our parents were really into it. So I didn't have any like scholarship offers out of high school. So I just decided I would go there and get like a fantastic education. Then it ended up working out cause I ended up getting a full scholarship, getting to play a lot and meeting a lot of cool people. Like I just said, and it was really like one of the best experiences of my life. Did you feel any pressure to go to UT or like especially given that your family went there or did you ever think about like wanting to pave your own path or was that something that you truly wanted? No, I mean, I actually thought about, I mean, if I would have gotten, like I said, like sports was my thing. Like, yeah, I wanted to get a great education. I wanted to get a college degree because my, both my parents had to have degrees. My mom has a master's, my dad has a bachelor's. And so that was what was important to me. I didn't want to go and just like piss away four years, but, um, I wouldn't say there was pressure. I mean, obviously they wanted me to go there because one UT in Austin is one of the best schools in the state. So, and it's really hard to get into. Um, so if I was going to get accepted, that's where I was going to go just because of the history with my family, the athletics program, and then the, the education I could have gotten. I wasn't opposed to going somewhere else. I mean, if somewhere else would have offered me a full scholarship out of high school, like Texas Tech or Texas State or something, I probably would have went because I loved football and loved sports that much. And to pay, to have them pay for something, like that would have been invaluable. Um, but it kind of worked out because even though I went there and my parents paid for the first two years, I ended up getting a full scholarship for the last three, which saved them a lot of money. And like I said, I mean, if I was going to play football somewhere, that was going to be the one school that I wanted to do it. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just such a tradition and storied university. And it's one of the most recognizable brands on the planet, not just in the country. So um, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. And so what was it like walking onto a team? Like you must have had to work like a little, you know, go that, that extra mile to be noticed and mm -hmm. to really shine and then to eventually earn that scholarship. Was it's, Did you dedicate a lot of your uh, time as a student um, to becoming that athlete? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, if you're a college athlete, then obviously you know it's a full-time job and you have to, you have to do things – 
I mean, you have to treat it that way. You have to treat it like a full-time job, meaning you have to take care of your body, take care of your health, and then work every day to improve whatever you need to improve on. And yeah, it's obviously hard if you're not a scholarship player out of high school. If you're a walk-on, you're kind of a tryout player and you're kind of already already labeled and looked at as a tryout player. So they don't really expect anything of you. And um, I think just for me, like I said, just going out there every day and and working on one thing that I could get better at really allowed me to succeed and get better and improve myself. And um, I think it worked out for me. And it worked out for a lot of other people, too. I knew a lot of people that I went to school with that were walk-ons, that were tryout players that got to play because, you know, you go in there without that sense of entitlement and it inspires you to work and, and work and work until some, someone notices you and someone take notices of how much effort you're putting in and then you kind of reap that benefit. Awesome. Well, like, congrats for that. That's a lot more athletics than I've ever done in my entire life. But um, what was the culture of the football team like? Like, I think now, especially in, you know, the past couple of years, having been in college, like, there's a lot of negative press, you know, for somewhat good reasons around like fraternities, fraternity culture, sports culture, and like, the how they lead sometimes to toxic masculinity. Like, did you ever find that you in just being in the culture of like an all male environment? I mean, it's hard obviously when you're in the culture of an all male environment to see that because I mean, yeah, that's all there is is masculinity, but there's no (laughs) one ever like, I mean, you know, yeah, some of that does come out. Some of the things that are obviously spoken about in the locker room and uh, in other places where it's just players and it's male players and it's predominantly young um, male players that, yeah, sure. I mean, you could say that it gets like that sometimes. Now, did I ever see like a problem with it or any like action upon um, taking place with it with my own two eyes? No, not at all. I mean, we had female um, athletic trainers that we saw every day that were also college students, just similar ages and stuff like that. You know, the water girls, a lot of them were female. Um, so we were around a fair, a fair enough, you know, amount of, of females in the workplace that in the worst to workplace, cause it's like a job, but um, to have that respect for them. Um, and I didn't see anything that was, I guess, what I would consider a problem now is to that to say that some of that stuff didn't happen, like, you know, not in the locker room, but out at the frat houses or out at parties with football players and other students that I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you're going to find cases like that, instances like that at every university in the country. Um, but I don't think there was, a, I don't think there's a big problem. I think the problem that, that we have is when people kind of try to label big groups like that is like, they're the problem. It's, it's toxic masculinity and it's an issue. There's, you know, when people were the word like rape culture and stuff like that. And that was a big thing. Um, when I was in college, I think that documentary came out, it was called like the hunting grounds. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. A very good documentary, very well made, but just, I guess from the other like side of the aisle, um, there's a lot of things like in that documentary that can kind of be taken out of context. I think it's centered around, you know, rape in, in colleges and obviously athletes were a big section of that documentary. And some of the statistics can kind of be misconstrued because I can't remember the one specifically, but I think it was like, you know, of, um, I don't know, it compared, it said like athletes were like much higher to do that per the population. But I think if, if you factor in a couple of other really important variables, that number goes way down. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's relevant at every university. It's definitely a problem. It's definitely something that needs to be talked about. Do I think it's as, as big of a problem as maybe some people make it out to be? Um, maybe not. Just because I think there are instances, and a lot of people don't want to accept this, where people do kind of come out of the woodwork and say, you know, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. And um, there's sometimes ulterior motives behind it. I don't think that we should just necessarily jump to a conclusion when that happens. I think you just have to go through the full investigation and 
and kind of listen to both sides and then go from there. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand the, I mean, for I went to Hopkins and like, for us, there was a lot of focus on the fraternities and like the mm-hmm. toxic masculinity culture that like that, that created and that led to. And it was almost the opposite where we also had a lacrosse team, but because they were, you know, put on this pedestal, they equally got away with things, but didn't get punished because of like the money being pushed in. So there's like a lot, I I do, there are a lot of different factors that, that I don't know, we should be considered before putting the blame on one specific group because at the end of the day, it is like a systemic issue that's, goes back far longer than like our day age and it's just like in in our t- lifetime that it's been you know that light's been shed on it yeah I would say though like that's another thing though like the word systemic like you kind of hear that word in a lot of the things even just like in social politics in general like systemic like racism or just it's, it's systemic sexism or rape culture but like that implies a system that's designed to produce that and I think it's more of a case by case. I mean, it really is going to depend on the, the, the two or three or four people involved in the scenario. And I'm glad you brought up the lacrosse thing. Cause that kind of reminded me of that other documentary. I'm sure you saw on the Duke lacrosse team. Yeah. But um, as I was saying, I think it's more of a case by case because obviously if, if you were raised right and your parents taught you to respect women and, and appreciate them and treat them just as you would treat anyone else, then you're never going to have a problem with that. You're never going to run into an issue where, oh, well, maybe it was alcohol that caused it, or maybe it was the girl being, you know, like, I don't know, flirt too flirty or whatever, like all of that, like, that's all besides the point. It's going to take someone that either doesn't have any morals or is acting just completely immorally because he's under the influence or whatever it may be. But like, to my point, though, the Duke lacrosse documentary, I mean, that just goes to show you can't just say, oh, well, there's a problem with this culture. It's systemic. It's this whole Duke lacrosse team. They did this horrible act, you know, then you get all the facts out and it comes out like nothing happened. Right. And it was just this giant culture on the other side that was saying, yes, we need to believe everyone that everyone says, because um, if you don't, you know, you're sexist or you're misogynistic or whatever. Like, no, you have to treat it in a case by case scenario. You can't just say, well, this group, whether it's the football team, the hockey team, the lacrosse team, or this fraternity, that fraternity, there's a problem built within. There are good people and bad people in any any group yeah. um, in the world. And I think if you have enough good people, then it's it's really, really rare when you get something like this. Obviously, it does happen. It does happen more than it should happen. But I think it comes back to, you know, let's look at how this person was brought up. Let's look at how this person has been treating others in the past. I mean, they're the world is not, you know, a, a soft and cuddly place like a lot of people want it to be. They're, they're bad people. I mean, people... There are people out there that just don't care about yeah. other people, and that's really what it is, and that's the people that do these kinds of things. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Okay, so kind of shifting gears, um, and it's funny because I, I had a similar conversation with um, a, a comedian who also is like a D1 athlete and um, you know played at a really great school, but you're a good-looking guy, a very good-looking guy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you had a phenomenal education. We're also a D1 athlete, a football player, and you can dance. My uh, question. That's, see, that's up for debate. I can. Uh, there's a difference between TikToking and dancing. I, I, I have to get that out. There. I don't know. I think my stuff is just. It's like 
it's like memorization of, of maybe like 10 to 15 seconds. I cannot dance. Yeah, I but you, like, you got I rhythm. You got rhythm. So that's, okay, that's you, fair. you know, like maybe a little bit. More be- <laughs> it's more than like most guys, I'd say. But my question that's, is that's like, true. <laughs> like you seem, you know, you come off as like having it all basically. But is your like, do you ever deal with anxiety or anything like that or similar struggles? Even, like, though you give off the appearance of having, like, the life that any guy would want. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think um, you you mentioned anxiety. Yes, I do get anxiety um, from time to time. Now, it just comes with, I guess, what I'm dealing with in my personal life and the situations that I'm put in. I think everyone does to some extent, though. I think, um, yeah, although... But like when you say, you know, a guy that looks like he has it all right. So you named off a couple of things like, yeah, I went to college. I was an athlete. Um, good looking. I'm not going to admit that. But but yeah, I mean, that's what you, if you look at my Instagram or my TikTok or something like that's that's immediately the things you would notice because I have pictures of me on there when I played football and going to college. And then um, obviously you can see how I look on there. But I think there's you know, that's probably very, very, very small portion of what I actually do on a day-to-day basis or like the kind of life I live. I mean, that's maybe 5% of it, right? Uh, Most of the pictures I post are kind of recreation, like on the weekends, if I'm on the lake or if I'm doing something. Um, But you don't really see the day-to-day of how I live. So, and I think that goes for most people, right? I think anyone that looks like they have it all, um, there's always going to be things that they're dealing with. Now they may be different things than, than you and I are dealing with. If they're a famous celebrity, you know, they're not going to have money problems. They're not going to have status problems, but they're going to have other problems. Everyone internally deals with something um, that they don't want to be dealing with, whether it's an issue with yourself, an issue that you have with the relationship with someone else. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I would say there's always a, a guys around anyone that you speak with, um, unless you really, really get to know them and sit down with them and probably talk to them and learn and learn who they are for at least, you know, one or two years, you're not going to really know who that person is. I mean, I have friends that, um, I still don't really, really know who they are deep down inside. Right. Cause maybe I see them on the weekends or see them like when we hang out, but like, do I know what they're dealing with internally? Do I know their struggles they're having with their job or their, um, parents or their relationships with other people know and I don't think anyone knows that I think it takes a lot nowadays to open up um, especially with you know the ages that we're in in social media it can be so toxic sometimes so it's really tough for people to be vulnerable and post stuff like that they would make you seem vulnerable but because then people will um, they'll just you know hate on you or um, downplay you or whatever so I think that's why social media is just it's like a highlight reel for everyone so Um, that's what I would say. I would just say, I guess, like in short to kind of sum it up. Yeah. It might appear like someone has it all or, um, someone has a lot of things going for them, but everyone internally deals with different things. Do you feel like comfortable being vulnerable though? Like, would you feel like, let's say you had like a really shitty day and were, you know, just feeling really weird. Like, would you feel comfortable texting one of your best friends being like, Hey dude, like, I, I'm feeling really shitty right now. Like, or do, would you feel like you'd be letting down an armor that you would feel awkward, like opening up? Yeah, no. So me personally, absolutely not. That would be my worst nightmare. Like I can't, I don't like to open up to in general to anyone, even if it's my parents or my brother or my best friends, um, just because of how introverted and how kind of safeguarded I am. I figure if I have a problem, like the best person that's going to deal with that is going to be myself and not anyone else. 
um, yeah, I could ask for advice or a second opinion, but at the end of the day, I think I'm going to probably try to do what's best um, for myself. And I think anyone's going to do that. Now, I think certain people, depending on your personality, they can open up more and kind of let those guards down and feel and be a little bit more vulnerable, um, like you said. But for me personally, it's tough just because although, you know, sometimes I'm going to struggle like anyone else is going to struggle. Uh, I feel like if I just you know, let it out to everyone or like text someone or even just one or two people, they're going to think um, something of me that maybe I'm not, maybe it's just a temporary thing. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe, but I think that's, for me, it would be really tough to do that. Um, unless it was someone that was like super, super close to me, unless it was like a partner, um, then I probably wouldn't do it. Even like my parents or my family or best friends, if it was a partner, yeah, I would open up and, and hope that um, they would be just as concerned for my well-being as myself rather than someone else. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what I would say. I don't know. Are you different? Like, are you, do you, if you're having, if you're going through like a bad day or something, like, do you reach out or do you just kind of try to deal with it on your own? I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I'm a unique category cause I have this podcast where I literally <laughs> am an open book. Um, yeah. I think in, You're like on the other end of the spectrum. I'm on the like I'm on the complete other end. I mean, it's funny because I actually think that you're, you know, uh, what's the word? Like you're the majority of people in terms of like, yeah, sure. especially guys. And I mm-hmm. think not that I mean, obviously everyone deals with things differently, but I do think that part of the part of the feeling like you have to keep everything together and you have, you can't open up is like the reasons that there are such high levels of like mental health issues and like the suicide rate is like at the highest it's ever been. And I think that's part of because people feel like they have to hold it in and they can't turn to someone. And at the same time, like, at the other end, if, you know, let's say um, you did text your friend and was like, dude, I'm not, like, feeling so great or, like, like I'm feeling really anxious or depressed, like, that guy, I feel like, you know, your friend might be like, oh, shit, I don't know how to respond. So it's yeah. kind of like two sides of the coin that where ne- one person is, like, doesn't feel ready to open up and the other person wouldn't necessarily have the tools needed to handle it, which is why, mm-hmm. you know, which is one of the reasons why I created this podcast to – have those conversations with people and let their voices be heard. And so someone listening could say like, oh, like I relate to that so much or like I also Mm -hmm. feel like that. Um, So, I mean, I'm definitely on the other end of the spectrum, but, you know, I have people in my life who are more like you and are like, oh, that's just how I deal with things. That's how I process things. And I mean, not to say, like, I don't think how I deal with things is necessarily, like, the most healthy way. It's, like, sometimes I'm, you know, posting self-deprecating memes on Instagram and shit, and <laughs> people are like, oh, my God, is she, is she all right? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so fine. I just, like, that's my humor. But I'm like, mm-hmm. so is that good? Like, I don't know. Like, some, many would argue no, but, um, but it's interesting. Like, do you think that – part of it was like how you were raised. I mean, I don't know much about like the South or things, but I feel like just from, you know, TV and 
Southern charm and Bravo. We don't all ride cowboys everywhere and like wear cowboy boots. It's nothing like that. So no, but I feel like it's. <laughs> I feel like you guys are even like more. You know, like holding it together. Rather, like New Yorkers, granted they're do their own species, but like, I don't know. Do you think that's part of how you were raised? Um, in terms of like my like my preference to not be as open. And I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, with anyone, you look at anyone, like no two people on this earth are going to be the same, right? We're mm-hmm. all um, different people and we're all, because when, you know, you're born, you just, you're just like a sponge and you absorb everything that's around you and that kind of what, that's what makes you who you are. So it's going to have, it's going to have a lot to do with how you were raised and who you were raised by and um, the situations that you were put in when you were a child, maybe if you were, um, neglected or maybe in the worst case abused or um and you had to take care of yourself maybe you came from a single parent home then you're going to be a little bit more closed off and standoffish than maybe someone that had a lot of stuff and had parent two parents and a grandma and a nanny to open up to and and, you know you might be a little bit more outgoing i think with any kind of social um factors it's all going to depend on how you're raised like me personally i think in the south in general i don't think there's like a major discrepancy although i haven't lived in the north for a long enough period of time to kind of know but um i think back to your point yeah it does depend on how you're raised who you're raised by and and what your childhood and what your teen years were like and kind of the experiences that you went through um i don't know like i guess what what are you studying it in college by the way Apply, or well, I graduated, but I studied applied yeah. math and statistics. It was uh, okay. not. I was gonna ask you if you were like a psychology major. No, or Maybe you could like explain this better. Than, okay. I wish, um, like, I wish I had taken more psych not classes. Even like a minor? Nope. Not even like. No, I just, nothing. I just love mental health. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I took, I took psych one hundred and one in college, so maybe I'm like. You know more than I do. I mean, I, I, I wish I did. So. I think though um, it's interesting, like. Especially, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe it's just like the, the celebrities I follow, but I feel like, especially with like quarantine and all this stuff happening where we're forced to like be with ourselves and think to ourselves, mm-hmm. there's been, a, I feel like a little bit of a like increase in the popularity of like mental health and opening up. Like I have this game, we're not really strangers and basically... Mm-hmm. It's like the exact, like, as you said, kind of, you, you know, there, you have friends you see on the weekends, but don't really know. It's like for the purpose of really getting to know someone. So like the first level is perception. And you ask all these questions based on like what you would think of the person, kind of like how you said, you know, when you look at my Instagram, you think a great football player and like whatever. So these are, I'm trying to think of one, like, are you afraid of failure? Like what's your biggest fear kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then the last one's reflection. So it's funny because, like, like I had known about this for a while because I follow all these, you know, mental health people. But the other day, I saw like Haley Bieber playing this. I'm, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm hopping on the bandwagon. I see, but yeah, you put her on, obviously. <laughs> obviously, but <laughs> it's interesting because I, I feel like, I mean, on one hand, I get why you know, our whole lives, like. I interviewed my grandma on the podcast and even she was talking about when how she would never wanted to open up because it made her seem weak. And I feel like, you know, as time's gone on, like women have slowly began to open up and like men just, you know, are, were raised to like 
be tough and to not show weakness. So I think it's something that's kind of been conditioned, but that's not to say that it can't be like, yeah, changed. I, I mean, I, to kind of expand off that, I mean, I agree with you. I think the two things with that, yeah, one, sure. It's how you're raised. It's how, um, but it's, you're raised that way because I think for probably a long time, um, for the majority of the 1900s and, and maybe the early 2000s, I think when people said the word mental health or um, anxiety or something like that, like you think like of like mental disorders, like mm-hmm. schizophrenia, you know, like diagnosed depression, bipolar, something that's, uh, you know, that you really need to be treated for. You probably need to get in, in some sort of like medical institution to, to get, you know, whether it's medicine or, or therapy. Um, and so you didn't want to be, I mean, who, who wanted to have problems? I mean, no one's going to open them and say, oh, yes, I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with, the, I'm depressed right now, right? Because then you, people are going to think, well, you need to be in like some sort of mental, mental institution or something. So I think um, for that reason, I think, and for good reason too, obviously you don't want to go around just telling everyone about all these problems you have because then people are going to create a perception of you. But I think there's a healthy balance um, that we should take between dealing with the things that we, we, we maybe struggle with internally ourselves, because I think some, we, we all struggle with things and we all don't need to post everything about what we're struggling with on the internet. Because like I said, the internet can be very toxic at times, but at the same time, I think it is okay not to be okay. Right. Like it mm-hmm. is okay to, to struggle, even though you might have a really, really good job or you might have a lot of money or you might be a celebrity or you might be good looking um, or you might be whatever it may be. Everyone's going to deal with issues and it's okay to, to open up about those when you need the help. Um, because like I said, everyone deals with them. I mean, there's, you can't, you can't find me one person that hasn't ever shed a tear or, or had a breakdown or, um, struggled with something, whether it be social, personal, um, business work related. It, I mean, you, it just doesn't exist. So yeah. Unless I you're think, like a sociopath <laughs> and yeah, have no well, feelings. Yeah, and they, have, they are the ones with the really, really, really <laughs> big problems. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we all struggle and I think that's the biggest thing. Like, it, like I see a lot of like those like story posts on Instagram and stuff and I've seen a lot more of them, like you said, because it's like we're all quarantined. So like everyone's on their phone and like posting all these things and like, it is okay to ask for help. It is okay, um, t- to break down. It is okay to struggle, like just either, either deal with it in a healthy way, in a way that you think is healthy, a way that you can overcome it or find help because, um, there are people that, that do need the help. And I think, most people, I mean, maybe I'm one of them. Um, I've been able to deal with the problems that I've had pretty well by myself. But if you can't and you need help, it's okay to ask for it. And like, I think I would add to that or like for my, just because I do for like, I do have a strong belief that like, even if we, whatever we think our like most healthy coping mechanism is for ourselves, I think Mm -hmm. it can always be supplemented with the help of someone else. Like whether that be a therapist or a counselor or a really good friend. Like, I don't think... Therapy's expensive, though. I know it is, which is, like, it is... <laughs> that's, super... probably, that's probably part of the problem, too, and I think... Oh, 100%. There's, there's mm. probably, like, a social... I mean, there's a stigma around that, too. And I think therapy, like, being... I mean, I'm a college-educated person. I, I did a year of grad school, too. I'd like to think I'm pretty intelligent. When I think therapy, I think, like, laying in one of those really long leather chairs... Like a New York Times cartoon. Being shown like ink plots and just, I don't know, like talking about what you feel. So like, yeah, I think it's scary. I think it would take a very lot even for someone like me who has 
regular struggles like anyone else to go and try to and get help from a or someone that's going to be a stranger. I mean, you talk about reaching out to your friends, the people that know and love you. You know, you, now then now you're going to paying a lot of money to to go see a stranger and and lay in in some I don't know some weird room and just tell them about your problems. That just I don't think sounds appealing, but I think. That's the problem too, is I know therapy nowadays is probably not like that. I'm sure it's probably a lot more inviting and, and actually beneficial, but that's what I think about. That's so funny. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm in my New York like bubble. I mean, every other conversation. <laughs> no, but it's funny because like in New York, I and maybe it's just like, I, I don't know because everyone's stressed and all the time, but therapy is very normalized here or like compared to other places. I mean, I go to my therapist once a week. Like it's, I, I'd i say most people are pretty open about it. I mean, it is extremely expensive, which is a whole other issue, but there are like apps and other things to kind of lower yeah. the cost and make it more accessible. But how I see it is, it's if you're like any opportunity to try to become the best version of yourself is great. Like, I mean, granted, take out the expensive cost, but like, if you were told, okay, you can spend an like 45 minutes a week with someone who's going to help you understand like why you act a certain way and like what parts of your past led you to become who you are today, and like, how can you then? apply that to the future and like how can you apply that to become the best version of yourself and gain a real self-awareness like that's fucking awesome like I would love doing that and I mean for me granted I love talking but it instead of taking if I had a shitty day instead of taking that out on like a friend and putting that emotional toll on someone else it's an opportunity like to just vent to someone who's literally paid to listen to me so it definitely is, still has, like, a stigma around it. Um, like, as you said, just kind of, like, lying in a chair. I'm thinking of, like, a one of those little cartoons. Like, there's yeah. definitely there. Like, a, I mean, I've been trying to convince my parents to go to therapy for, like, two years. And they're like, oh, no, no, I mean, it's, I'm fine. And then, like, yeah. you know. But it's funny that because I feel like it's, once again, like, a reminder that my little, like, New York City bubble is a bubble. It's not reality. Yeah, that's not. It's, like. It's so interesting. And even in a place like Austin where you'd think like, I mean, great, I'm, sh- I'm sure, you know, people, the Googlers and stuff like have their therapy paid for them and shit like that. But that's so interesting. What, per- like what, pers- I mean, I don't know, like maybe it's like a case, I will, I don't know. I'm trying to think like how, how old are you? 24. How many of your friends that are your age go to therapy regularly? Um, I'm not sure. I'd say probably like 70% maybe. Really? No, I don't know. That's probably more. I'd say maybe like <laughs> – I'd say maybe like 30 to 40%. I don't I don't know. That's yeah, another thing. Do you, I mean, it's, do you think it's the same though with like uh, – you, you say you're 24? Mm-hmm. Uh, like between 20 and 30 and then between 30 and 40, do you think there's a drop-off? Do you think it increases? Do you think – I mean, obviously, I don't think anyone that I don't you know, know. I think between zero and twenty, you probably don't need to be paying for therapy. You know, you might need someone to talk to. I think that's what parents are for. Um, but yeah, I think when you obviously when you're a young adult, 
I think it would probably be more relevant as you get older, maybe into your thirties and then kind of yeah. go up and then kind of die down. Obviously when you're, when you're, it's, I feel like it's definitely important in transition periods. Like yeah, that I think graduation is going to be 20 to 30, 30 to 40. I yeah. Don't know which one of those might be bigger. I think probably 25 to 35 is probably the biggest percentage of people. If you're going to just take a group. Yeah. 10%. I'd be interested in seeing. Cause I, cause I mean, granted I'm thinking like I'm comparing my like population sizes like one of my like fake instagram which is where i just you know my finsta <laughs> you know you got you got the tiktok lingo people still do that i, oh, even fucking, know, that until, like, I know i shouldn't use it but then again i'm also on tiktok so you can't say anything yeah. either that's another thing i was it was a joke for me at first and, now and then you're like, like oh my gosh it's not it's actually like dead serious <laughs> But yeah, I mean, from like, you know, my curated group of people who open up about that stuff is probably a lot higher than my overall like span of people I've been in contact with over my lifetime, like probably very little. But yeah, I'd be interested to see like the statistics on that because that that was my major stats. Um, (laughs) I was, I was in economics. So like, um, I, I econometrics, economic statistics, probably I'm, I know all that too. Yeah. Well, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Um, so I wanted to have like, um, to get you to open up a little, but hopefully this is like a little bit easier. (laughs) Um, so I have to ask you about your love life. Um, so are you single? What's your relationship status? I'm single currently. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things like I've always in my life taken very, very seriously. Um, just from, I guess, like late middle school to now, um, in my mid late twenties. Um, like I haven't been one of those people that's like always needed like a partner, like always had a girlfriend. Like there are people that have had like at my age, have had like 10, 12 girlfriends. There's girls that have had like 16 boyfriends. Yeah. Like serial monogamous. Yeah, like people that like need feel the need to like be you know like be in a relationship. Like yeah. there was always those types of people, and I was kind of always turned off by those types of people. Like, like that literally like in I would see it more in girls than in guys, but girls like that would just really need more than anything someone to like take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it kind of goes back to that that culture and that stigma of, of maybe how they were raised or um, whatever it may be. So um, I really only had like one serious girlfriend. Um, we were together for probably like two and a half years oh, wow. and we lived together for one year and that was pretty much the only time. And that was in college. I was, you know, that was when I was, let's see, like 20 to 22. Um, so like my sophomore to senior year in college and she was two years older. So she was out of college and she lived in the same city and it, it was great. I mean, we got along great. Even when we lived together, we never had any problems. It just kind of toward the end of it, um, kind of back to what I talked to could kind of tell that, she wanted some other things that weren't at the time what I wanted and wanted to kind of keep me from doing certain things that I wanted to do, like hang out with my friends and, and kind of be in college. Cause that's what I was. I was in college and she wasn't. Um, and so that's why that ended, but I don't have any bad feelings about it. And um, that's pretty much it. I mean, other than that, I've kind of always just been by myself, but like I said, like I'm kind of more introverted, right? I think people that are more outgoing feel the need to, to maybe explore that kind of, arena a little bit more and, and maybe be around someone or have relationships. Um, whereas me, I'm kind of, I guess, just taking a little bit slower and like waiting for the right person, I think is the bigger thing. I think a lot of people nowadays force themselves into relationships um, just to, I mean, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, for 
for money, for clout, for whatever it may be, just because it makes them feel good. Um, I don't think that's necessarily healthy. So, um, and then you see a lot of people, yeah, like that just, I mean, they, I don't know, they don't take it seriously. So I think if you're going to be in a relationship with someone, it should be someone that you see yourself marrying. And I think a lot of people, um, especially our age, don't do that. I mean, you go up to someone that has a boyfriend or girlfriend or partner or whatever it may be and say, like, could you see yourself marrying them? And they're like, no, no, probably not. Like, what are you doing? You know yeah. What I mean? Do you think part of, like, that, not fear of commitment, but, like, the serious the level of like severity that you're taking in determining your partners, like because your parents split up, like, do you think that that's trickled into like how you, you know, like want to find that right person? I've actually never thought about that. Like how have you never thought about that? that? That's actually crazy. Well, it's funny though too, is I, you know, I would say I myself would say, no, I know I would probably be, maybe I'm wrong. I just knowing me, I, for me, that wasn't like a big, like, you know, again, going back to like stigma and like uh, stereotypes, right? Like parent, you think parents splitting up like single family home, like, oh my God, like you're going to have like problems, issues, whatever. Like my parents split when I was 15. So, you know, I was already a teenager. Um, I was going into high school. It, it, what was weird though, too, is I could always like tell that they were not like companion, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so what, ever since I was I can remember ever since I was a baby, I haven't seen my parents like hug or kiss, right? They were always just like two people that took care of me and my two brothers, right? But they were never like intimate. They were never like any of that. I can't remember. I've never seen them kiss like in my entire life. So um, when they split, it wasn't like a big change. It wasn't like a life defining like moment. You know, it's like now I've got to move like some people move like to another state or another state. I mean, I moved like 30 minutes up the road, like on the lake, right? Like my mm-hmm. dad, I still saw still took care of us. They both still came to all of our sporting events. So I don't like me knowing my childhood. I don't like feel like that affected me, but like everyone, like my, my only serious girlfriend said that to me. She was like, she would always mention things. Well, like maybe that's because like you're, you know, like not in like a cynical way, but like say, well, like kind of maybe you feel like this because like your parents split, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, the fact that I take it more seriously from my, I mean, that might be a stretch. There might be a little bit of truth in that, but I don't think it's like that specifically why, because again, I have two brothers. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. He, they're kind of the same way. Uh, but so maybe it is, I don't know. I think, I mean, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's definitely possible because I feel like, you know, everything we see growing up affects us like consciously or subconsciously. Yeah. Like for me, like, I have the opposite. I mean, first of all, I completely agree with, like, I hate serial monogamous or, like, not hate, but, like, I don't condone their way of life. I think you need to love yourself before you can let anyone love you. And you shouldn't just get into a relationship because, you, like, from I feel like there's a lot of people who get into relationships because they feel like they need a partner in order to be complete. And that's just not the case. Like, if you feel that, that that means you're dependent on someone else. And what happens if they leave? There's a difference. I mean, there's, yeah. When you say, like, if you're, like, if you're actually looking for, like, a relationship, like, if you're actively searching for someone, like, I think you're always going to be let down. Because I think Mm -hmm. you're always going to settle for, like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, 
you're just always going to settle for something that like probably isn't like the absolute like best thing like you could get right because if you're just trying to go from like okay like i just got broken up with i need to like go find like another partner like whether it's meeting them online or like somewhere here like okay this one like you know like fits suit like i'll go with this like i think you're always going to be shortchanged and let down and i don't know if that's what happened to my parents i don't know if it happens with, with everyone that's divorced that's what happened or if something down the road went longer i mean everyone's gonna have problems um, and issues arise over time but i think if you just be patient and wait and that's kind of like what i'm doing is just kind of waiting like i'm not like actively out there like if i meet the right person then i meet the right person i'm gonna know they're the right person but i'm not gonna yeah. like, actively go out and like feel like say okay i need to get a girlfriend by the end of the year and like whichever one like i think is gonna like get the job done like that's what i'm gonna roll with like that's not i'm not gonna do that like not to, like to judge anyone that does that or like people that i don't know especially our age i think too now like i've seen i've seen it so much like i think as bad as it sounds like getting married young is like the cool thing to do like i know you know, people are like, oh yeah, right. Like people don't get married for that. Like, yes, they do. Like I've seen it many times. I've gone to Especially weddings. Especially on TikTok. Like, <laughs> my early 20s, and like the people are already split up. So like, you know, I think, I think it's one of those things, honestly, it's a cool thing to do. I think it's like really, you know, it's, it's so cool to get married young. Like, look at me, I'm so mature. Like, you know what I mean? Like no one will admit yeah. it, no one will admit it, but it happens. I think, I mean, that's what I've noticed on TikTok and other places. I'm like, holy shit, how are these people married? But the whole, like, getting married young is cool, like, in some places. But, I mean, if you were 22 and walked into a bar in New York and were like, yeah, I'm married, like, <laughs> people like, give you so much shit. Like, in New York, it's like, yeah. oh, you're 35, like, plenty of time. So it's kind of yeah. nice. I mean, but I agree. I feel like, I don't know, at least for me, maybe I'm, like, a hopeless romantic, but I think, like, when I, like, find – like, like I want it to come naturally. Like I want. Yeah, that's not a, I, I think you're well within your. I mean, I. That's exactly what I think. I think, like, when you feel like when you feel it, like you feel it. Like I don't. I'm not saying like I just like it's like love at first sight, but like you can, you can go on like and trust me because I've been on like hinge dates and shit. Plenty of first dates, plenty of second dates where it's like I just know based on like just an easy conversation. It's not necessarily like that I don't it's like this, this and this I don't like about it. I'm like right like one, two and three. It's just like I don't feel like if it's maybe maybe not like a first date, but like a second date after like a long enough conversation, you should be able to feel like if it's someone that you think is possibly someone that you could spend the rest of your life with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's pretty easy to kind of tell like when you meet someone that is the type of person that you're looking for and that meet kind of meets all the qualifications that you're looking for. Not like saying you have to have like this, this and this, but like just is someone that you can envision spending the rest of your life with. Yeah. I also think it like should happen organically. Like yeah. I, I like, I, I don't know. I, I've always been someone who's developed relationships after being friends first. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's like unique to me or like unique to a few people but then when I was going on like hinge dates these I was like oh my god I literally feel like I'm at a job interview and like oh what what, what do you do because you're just sitting across there on the coffee table like oh like asking the same fucking boring questions like where'd you grow up like how many siblings do you have and I was like oh my god like, but see that's the thing like I, like I've been on plenty of this too and like that's when you know like it's not it's not organic like you should yeah. be able to I've been on I've been on like so many where I find myself trying to um because like I can read people very well and like I, I've, uh, you know, I've been this social enough person where I can 
kind of understand like what someone's thinking or, you know, what, like what they're really like. But if you find yourself asking those questions, like, what do you do for work? Where are you from? Like, you're not really being yourself. You're like going through a script and like what you think you should be saying, but like, I don't know. I feel like when you find the right person, you're going to be able to just kind of be yourself, like whether that's goofy or funny or whatever, yeah. and, like go off script and like go from, and like actually be interested in what they're saying rather than just like listening to what they're like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of so, the, the 36 questions uh, to like use to, there was like a New York, New York Times article. Um, it's like the 36 questions you use to like fall in love with someone. It was like a study. No. Well, it's a good segue because I always end by asking five of them. So Okay, sweet. I'm ready. <laughs> ready to fall in love. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, the first question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? One thing in my life that's happened to me that's made me a stronger person? Um, man, that's a good one. one it's like – haven't you know I you know I could be cliche and say like my parents splitting um but I don't know you know that's probably like the best answer I could give but I think like like this you typically find something that's like been hard on you but I'm gonna kind of go the other route I'm gonna say like the thing that's that's happened to me that's made me stronger was actually a really good thing um, and for me, that was getting a scholarship when I was at UT because it was something that one, I didn't even, I didn't even expect, like I never went into school, you know, walking on thinking about like, okay, like I'm going to play all these games and go to the NFL. Like, it was just like, I wanted to go there. I wanted to like be the best player I could be. And like, I, I wanted to play like some amount, but I never thought I would start for three years, which I did. I never thought that I would get in, in the, the school records twice, not once, but twice. Like I never thought I would do all these things. And I think that scholarship just like validated all of like the hard work I got I put in so like from then on out like I feel like I can accomplish like anything I want to do in life I feel like if you just wake up and show up and do the best you can do like you can do whatever you want like this world is not like that cruel of a place like uh, you get out of college if you really devote time to it and you you want to be successful then like it is so easy with the tools that you're given today I mean if you have a laptop and an internet connection you can you can create a life for yourself that you would be really, really happy living. So I think that getting the scholarship and just kind of them handing me a piece of paper and saying, look, like your school for the next three years is paid is, is hundred percent paid for like all your meals, everything like that just to me was like, wow, like I, I worked so hard and like, this is what I got. Like, so if you're like working hard and you think, Oh, I'm working hard and like, I'm not getting the results I want. Like you're just not working hard. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a will, there's a way. And so like, if you, if you put enough time and effort into something, you're going to get, you're going to reap the benefit of it. Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer. Okay, what do you believe everything happens for a reason? No, I mean, I don't want to get too like philosophical, but like everything happens. I mean, everything happens, you know, based on what you do. If you're talking like on a personal or if you're talking like on a like worldwide level, like did this hurricane happen? Because, like, did some, coronavirus. Like, like, higher being or like, yeah, coronavirus. Like, no, like, come on. Like, let's not, you know, let's not get too naive but like I mean we all make decisions and at the end of the day like it's all about perspective I think like back to like the whole reason of, of your podcast and like mental health and like all these things um that we kind of talked about like yeah we all go through like ups and downs like if you might be like you're going through a down and like think like damn did this happen for a reason like am I going to come out of this like put in perspective like if you wake up and you're breathing like 
you know, you just beat out a lot of people that like, they woke up today, like they weren't breathing, like they were, you know, like it was their time. And, um, so, I mean, it, everything happens based on the way you live your life and how you live your life and how you treat yourself, how you treat other people. Um, I mean, I do believe in good karma. I believe like if you, you know, if you, if you live a good life and you treat others the way you want to be treated, it's really the only like thing you need to do is just be a good person. And, uh, then things will, things will work their way out. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. And I like, I like the, um, the message of like being a good person. Cause I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, do you have a quote or a mantra that you live by? Oh man. I, I mean, so when I was in college, I don't know if I could recite it right now, but I had, um, God, you know, I used to, I don't know now that like I'm, I'm in front of you and it's live. I don't know if I could, uh, just like what's the gist. Hold up. Hold up. No, I can, I can, uh, Google it. <laughs> let's see here. Okay. So this one, um, was a little like, I don't know if it's like, it's, I guess it's a poem cause it rhymes. Um, <laughs> but it was given to me by one of my college co one of my coaches in college and on just kind of like this little piece of paper, this little laminated piece of paper. And I still have it. It's somewhere um, probably in my box of all my mementos and stuff, but um, it's called the man in the glass, Peter Dale, Winbrow senior. Um, and I'll kind of just read it for you. It says when you get what you want, your struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day then go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what the man has to say. For it isn't a man's father, mother, or wife whose judgment upon him must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in life is the man staring back from the glass. He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the man in the glass is your friend. You can fool the whole world, world down a pathway of years and get pats on the back as you passed. But the final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. So, like, I think he gave that to me and, like, I think um, – I think it was just my, it was my position coach. I think he just gave him to all of um, the, the, the players he coached, but um, it kind of goes back to like that thing of like just taking care of, care of yourself and not like in a way that like is selfish, but like you can't cheat yourself. Like you can't, and back to um, like what I was saying about that hard, that difficult moment or that moment that made me stronger. Like no one, no one in this world, like whether it's, people that take care of you or are selfless but like no one is going to take care of you like you got to take care of yourself you know what I mean so um, I think it's important to just um, do everything you can to make yourself a better person now whether that's you know treating other people fairly is a part of that but I think you can't cheat yourself like you can't cheat your way out of you can't cheat your way into success or into a relationship or into anything that's going to count in life like you have to um, do it yourself and, and kind of you know, I don't know how to expand on that, but I think that's kind of what I took out of it. Yeah, wait, I'm looking at it now. I love that. So it's yeah. it's it's also about it's the one by Peter Dale Wimbro, senior. Mm -hmm. You said he had two quotes though. I do, and then I have a necklace. So this one just has like the Serenity Prayer on it. I don't know um, what that is. So it just says God, God grant me, or God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I. Uh, cannot change the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Oh, I love, yeah, so I know that. That's a good one. Like, yeah, that's like. a good one to live by too. Cause like, again, like, like you said, like everything happens for a reason. Like, yeah, there it does. But like some decisions you can control, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, like I was saying, and then some things you can't, some things are going to happen 
coronavirus, you know, there's no way I could have prevented this. So like, <laughs> you, know, you got to know the difference. You got to put your effort into the things you can change, the things you can't work on and not dwell on yep. the past or things that are out of your control. I love that. I, I, I saw that necklace on the TikTok. Um, okay. <laughs> I couldn't read it though. Um, well, second to last question. What do you love most about yourself? Um, God, this is such a like hard question to answer without sounding. No, um, you should be like. Conceited. No, I mean, it definitely not my TikToking or my dancing, <laughs> um, or my. I don't know. I mean, nothing that. Yeah, I guess you would see on the exterior. Even like, though, I'm thankful that, you know, I'm in great shape, and I guess because my parents, you know, we're both athletes, and I'm glad I got blessed with that. But I think, you know, I've been able to. Um, you know, although I've been privileged, like I've been able to get exactly what I wanted out of life. And I think it's because um, and I think it comes from my dad, which is I think I have the ability to just, you know, focus on something, not get distracted and put everything I have into it, whether it was um, football, which I put a ton into. And I think if you look at, you know, how I got onto the team and then where I ended up at the end of it, um, that'll tell you everything you need to know about how hardworking, how dedicated I was. But same thing with school. I mean, UT is not an easy school. When I wasn't the best student in high school, you know, I had my problems like everyone else. And um, I didn't necessarily try as hard or, or take it as seriously as I maybe should have. But um, when I got to UT, you know, I, I graduated with a degree in economics from one of the top schools in the state. I um, got a certificate in, in business um, from the McComb School of Business, which is a little bit better than a minor. And then I, I did a year in graduate school in advertising. And although I didn't finish it because I felt like I didn't need to, um, there's not a lot of people that, that can, that can kind of devote that much time and, and do that. So I think that's what I'm most, um, that's what I, I think I appreciate most about myself. Love that. And last question, which is the theme of my podcast or like the name of my podcast, but Oh, I have to adjust it because you're not from New York. But how do you find mm -hmm. solace in the city? So, like, how, like, when El, when Elle is like going to hell, like, what brings you peace? I'm gonna look. I'm gonna type define solace in Google here. So I have the, <laughs> it's like the right peace so, I mean, and like yeah, I kind of I, I have an idea. Okay, so like, okay, yeah. So kind of going back to like mental health and stuff, like comfort or consult consolation in a time of distress or sadness. Like, so like your peace, like your um. What was the read the question again? Like just in the city, how do you find it? Or yeah, just like uh, like I think of it as like you know what cons like what would make your day perfect or like when you're stressed, what do you go to that just kind of you know brings you peace? Like it could be like reading books or like listening to classical music or just like if you have that one thing that just kind of really grounds you. Yeah. Um. I'll give you like two tangible things and then maybe one that's not tangible. Um, I don't have, I mean, I wouldn't say like one is me. I mean, the first thing, um, I have a pet, it's a cat, Aww. his name is Kobe. And I, I so I kind of notice when I do struggle or like have a breakdown or something, um, I always know when I go home, like, and I think it's for pets in general. I think that's why a lot of people have pets. like if you have a dog or a cat and like you look at them, like they're going to love you no matter what. And mm -hmm. I think, and they're, they're not going to know you had a bad day, you know, or you're, you're struggling. Like they're going to come and, and love you. Um, unlike, unlike people, you know, people sometimes are difficult. People sometimes 
they're they're a lot you know they're hard to to read and stuff so pets aren't like pets will love you unconditionally and i think um that's something that to my bring kind of bridging to my intangible thing will just give you perspective i think that's the most important thing like if you can just sit back and think like okay like yeah i just had a really bad day or like i'm really struggling like right now like could it be worse right like there are people that are dying every day. There are people that have cancer. There are people that are, they don't have, know where the next meal is going to come from. There are people that are living on what, less than a dollar a day. There are people uh, living in parts of the world that are occurring. There's natural disasters occurring. So like, is it really that bad, right? Like if you're, if you're in a house or an apartment, like in the USA and you have a job and like, you're struggling, like think about those things, think about those things that people don't have and that would kill for. Um, And then the third thing, Um, something I've done my whole life is working out. So like that for me is like a stress reliever. Um, and I think everyone should do it. Yeah. I think with the the whole, the runner's high and nothing like it. Yeah. (laughs) I I, will. I'm not the same though. I hate running like running. You couldn't pay me to run. Like I just like working out, lifting weights. I'll like do jump rope or I can do like cardio classes. Those are a little bit better because I just get bored when I run. Like I love running. There's no one to talk to. And if I'm doing it with like a friend or something, it's okay. But yeah. So I think that's, that's another thing you, cause you can always do that. Like no matter what you, how hard you're struggling or if you had a bad day, like you can, I can go out, like I can go to the gym. Well, not now because everything's closed, but like, <laughs> I can go in my backyard yeah. and like do pushups and pull-ups and like jump rope and stuff and just kind of get my mind off everything. Yeah. I'm just going to quickly add to like the second thing, because I mean, obviously it's important to have perspective. Like no one wants everyone like walking around, like being sorry for themselves and being like selfish. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, you know, if, if you're thinking that, like, it's okay to think that, like, you know, about the people, like, struggling or, like, living in Africa and poor and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I think, really important just, like, to acknowledge that, like, it's okay to feel sad. Like, it's okay. Like, yeah, my problems mm-hmm. aren't as big, but it'll get better. And just, like, to kind of sit with that and just, like, let that, I don't know, marinate. Just kind of sulk. Not sulk, but, like, sometimes you need to but have I- a good cry and, like... Just because he had a shitty day. But that's like, what sulking is. <laughs> so I don't know. I, know. I agree though. I think, I think like, you know, like your parents always teach you like, don't pout, like don't pout, don't cry. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's something that's kind of taught, but like, think about, and here I'm getting into my psych 101, you know, that I took, like, think about why people do that. Like why, when you have a breakdown, like, why do you cry? Or like, why does it sometimes feel good to kind of feel sorry for yourself? Have you ever noticed that? Like people will say like, don't feel sorry for yourself, but it feels good to kind of like, if something happened where like, like, you know, I couldn't control it or like whatever, like it kind of feels good to just pout and kind of like blame it on something else. Right. And I think you need to do that to realize like, if it's something that you could have maybe changed something you could have done. Now, sometimes things happen in life that you can't change. Like maybe you got fired from your job and like you're having a bad day and it really wasn't anything you saw you could do. Like, yeah, you need to sit there and reflect and you need to like feel, feel bad so that you know how bad it feels so you can feel good again and maybe work on, you know, what happened. So um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that, but that's, I think, <laughs> no, that's I mean, like, I, there's definitely a difference between like feeling for like with pouting and like feeling negative about yourself and yeah. like, and also, and there's just being sad and saying like, you know what, like, it's okay to feel sad because there's, you know, you have these five other great qualities as you as in like talking to yourself, like you have these five mm-hmm. other great qualities, you have these incredible people in your life. And like, I think that's why it's important to have like a gratitude journal and to, you know, like wake up and think of three things you're grateful for. And, and like, you know what I mean? Like find that balance between 
thinking about all that you are blessed with, but also allowing yourself to sometimes just like be sad and say like, you know what? I'm having a sad day, but we're going to get better. Mm-hmm. For sure. So ha- I'll meet you halfway on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well then, thank you so much for coming sure. on the pod. Where can everyone follow you on Instagram and um, TikTok? Like plug everything. Okay. Let's see. All right, let's plug. Okay, so my Instagram is just my name, first name, last name, Dylan Haynes. Uh, I think TikTok is the same thing, except with an underscore after it. So it's just Dylan Haynes underscore, because I think Dylan Haynes was taken when I made it, which kind of bombed me out. But those are pretty much the only two platforms I use regularly. Um, like Facebook, I'm more used for like business, and then I have a business page associated with it. But that's kind of my main two. Um, TikTok, I don't know how long I'm going to do it for though. I think my my. As soon as the quarantine's over, I think I'm, I'm going to be done with TikTok. But you have to knows? retire. <laughs> it might, yeah, it might take off. So I don't know. Awesome. 